Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Want to thank the Quiet Hollers for that song. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. I uh, want to welcome you all to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, maybe below average host after that opening. And my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, it's in October. We're heading into week six. How are you feeling about your teams right now? Well, you know, Balky, uh, it's always good to be looking up and have something to look forward to. I had an off week last week with my one outlier football guys team, and I'm now no longer outlying towards the top of the first hundred, and I can say I'm in the top of the first uh, thousand teams. But, you know, every week, Balky, is a new season in uh, fantasy football. How about your teams in Kentucky, buddy? Uh, you always you always want them to be better, right? You always want them to be better. But yeah. I, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I can make a run. And I feel like, you know, with the bye weeks coming on here pretty quickly, I feel like I'm in a good spot to, to make a run and, and uh, start challenging for some league titles and maybe an overall championship. That is the idea for I sure. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, that. we're going to discuss uh, uh, all the, the, uh, the goings-on with Russell Wilson and what happened in the Rams mm-hmm. Seahawks game last night. We're going to talk about um, the injury concerns that you need to know about. And then Tyler Jackson and Mike Dozier will join the program uh, coming up in about 15 minutes or so to talk about their fourth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship and much more as well. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman is where to connect with us. Of course, uh, at KFFSC. And, of course, the K, uh, KFFSC.com is the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship that Farrell does such a great job running. If you want to connect with us on Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash HSFFO. And give us a call tonight, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Stakes Fantasy Football at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails in the Fantasy Feedback uh, segment coming up later in the show. I want to thank our audio engineer, my best friend, Bryce, and our audio producer, our producer and mutual friend, Rob, as well. Let's kick things off right away here, Farrell. Ian Rappaport uh, says that uh, Russell Wilson underwent an MRI, and the latest news we got right before the, the show uh, went off or, or came to be tonight about a month, maybe two months, that the Seahawks might be missing Russell Wilson after that hmm. uh, finger sprain last night, which 
could give Russell Wilson a mallet finger. That is about the most awful thing I can think of when it comes to finger injuries. Um, so Russell Wilson's going to be out for a while. How do you handicap this situation if you own DK Metcalf, if you have Tyler Lockett on your team, or any of these other Seattle? Let's throw Chris Carson, Alex Collins in there as well. How do you sort of handle these Seahawks receivers now that we know Geno Smith is, uh, Geno Smith is going to be the man going forward? Well, you know, Gino, uh, everyone who saw the game saw Gino take the team uh, down the field uh, and, and scored the ball, and he looked efficient, and he looked sharp doing it, which belies the fact that you've got a guy here that's thrown 26 passes uh, in the last three years. Um, I think, uh, you know, Gino's on a on a base contract, uh, probably right around a million dollars, probably loaded with incentives. This is his opportunity for an act two in the league and and possibly to solidify himself for a job he is um, and i'm all for him getting a second chance you know his uh, behavior when he entered the league was a big thing to do with his uh, inability to be successful and if you eyeballed the team yesterday uh, even after a locket fell down and the interception was thrown you could tell it's like it is with most teams the backup quarterback is oftentimes the most popular guy on the team. So he looks like a guy that's ready to compete, and that's what you need for these receivers. You need to get the ball in their hands and let them, you know, they can win. Metcalf can win the 50-50 ball. Lockett can get open. I'll throw Gerald Everett, who if he ever gets back from the COVID IR, might <laughs> be uh, with, this, with this quarterback, um, might be a weapon in an offense it's going to need all hands on deck. So running, the running uh, game is less appealing to me, especially after seeing that defense and uh, watching their effort last night. 130 yards and a touchdown for Geno Smith after he came in for Russell Wilson. I think he completed like his first seven passes too. So certainly yeah. impressive stuff there for Geno Smith last night. It might not be all fire and brimstone for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf owners out there. So Stand by, and obviously Geno Smith going to be a popular waiver ad, not only in the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, but Superflex Leagues. Think about what he's going to go for with those weapons. We will uh, have much more on that coming up in next Friday's show as well as we follow this Russell Wilson-Geno Smith thing. Certainly, I think we like what we saw from Geno Smith last night. Dalvin Cook, let's talk about him here for a little bit, Farrell, because this was a guy that we weren't sure was going to go last week. He did go, and he wasn't all that great. Now, he is officially listed as questionable against the Detroit Lions this week. Coach uh, Mike Zimmer says he is going to be a game-time decision, and um, he, he did not really practice at any point throughout the week. So right now, it's probably going to be Alexander Madison, which is a, a great Great play uh, against the Lions this week. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing to, to keep in mind um, is, is if Cook is active. I, I think this is, it goes without saying. If Cook is active, you play him. If Madison is active, you play him. But, but the thing that, that I guess I, I'm not too sure of, Farrell, and maybe you can enlighten me on this, what happens if Cook is active but we get an announcement, you know, before 1 o'clock on Sunday that he's not expected to get the full load, he's not going to get his normal snaps? How do you sort of play that for fantasy then when you know that Dalvin Cook is awesome but he may not have the opportunity to be awesome for the full 60 minutes? For the first time in my life in fantasy football, I drafted heavily running backs this year. So I'll turn to another running back. Just because I took Dalvin with the second pick doesn't mean that my – 
third, fourth, or maybe fifth round running back is not uh, able to step in and, and do very well in this situation. The, the, what's hurting my teams, Balky, that you've asked about, and I'm sure everybody's experiencing this, is not only injury, but in-game injury. And they seem to come very early in the games. And it's, it's uh, Madison is a uh, more than capable backup and probably the, the best handcuff in all of football. I will say this, though. This team is one and three. Uh, they need a win. Minnesota hasn't convinced me that um, they're necessarily going to go out and win the games they're supposed to, which is one that they're playing this weekend against Detroit. So I can understand what the coach in, in the training room, and I imagine this player is living in the training room right now, but they're doing everything they can to get him ready to play. And we, we will see what happens with Cook. Obviously, I, I think it's going to be a very tough bench for players who drafted him in the top three, the top four of your drafts, how do you bench a guy like that? I don't know if you can, um, even if he is, you know, labeled as, as not getting a full complement of snaps. I own him, I think, in two leagues, Farrell. If he's active, I'm trotting him out there. And, and, and yeah. I know that's a blanket statement because we don't know what you have on your bench, you know. We don't know what you yeah. have. What if you have a Damian Harris or Miles Gaskin or something as, as the guy who would step in instead? I don't know what you have on your bench, but as a blanket statement, I, I think you got to kind of roll with Dalvin Cook if he's active. Yeah, and I I think I would draw that line at, at probably uh, guys like uh, Sermon and uh, Williams from Denver and, and, and some players yeah. like that, maybe even Carter from the Jets. When you get down to your Gaskin and McKissick and, and – then you've got to, to, to reevaluate it and uh, probably just try to cook out and hope for the best. Um, let's talk about the Giants receivers. Uh, Sterling Shepard with the hamstring injury is officially out against the Cowboys. Darius Slayton will be joining him on the sidelines. And this is going to open up some playing time, not only for Kenny Galladay, but John Ross and Kadarius Toney. Now, last week, Kadarius Toney looked pretty good. And this is a first-round pick, a first-round draft pick, um, that is going to be going against the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm just kind of curious how you treat him this week, Farrell, knowing that it's Galladay, it's Engram, it's Barkley, but on the perimeter besides Galladay, it, it, it could be just Tony uh, or maybe Tony in the slot. Um, is he a flex play for you in FFPC leagues this week? You know, I certainly think he could be, and, and uh, I dressed him everywhere early. And uh, then he was a casualty very early on of waiver wires. I tried so gallantly to add running backs. But I like Tony, and, and I think he did some good things. What appeals to me about this team is John Ross. We see players uh, in, in fantasy drafting and acquiring and waiver wires all the time, speed, trying to get speed because they know what speed can mean to a team. And now John Ross, who's been in the league for a while, Four targets, uh, two completions, and a big touchdown last week. Fastest player in the league. He's still out there languishing on most waiver wires. I think that's the player that I would like to take um, the lottery ticket play on here um, to add to my lineup instead of perhaps uh, Tony because I've probably got a receiver that I can fill in. Non-bye week. This will change when we get to the bye weeks, but I've probably got a receiver that I can fill in that will give me what Tony's going to give me this week. I I think I have I cut I'm with you I mean I I cut him in pretty much every single league except for my dynasty leagues I still have him and right now like you know I I go hard on my um, dynasty leagues for receivers so I have some better options than him right now but I'm for sure keeping him around in in these leagues I have you know and and then the other thing to keep in mind 
What happens if he has a good week against Dallas? Does he all of a sudden um, start eating in to the, to the Giants primary game plan? Is all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, is he going to be a starter out there in the slot? Is he going to be a starter on the perimeter? You know, they drafted him with big plans in mind. You don't draft a receiver in the first, you know, 25 picks of the, of the NFL draft without plans on using him. And those plans could start sooner than you might think if these Shepard and Slayton injuries linger. We have Tyler Jackson and Mike Dozier coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Before we get to them, I do want to talk about the Lions backfield. You know, it seems like we talked about the Niners backfield or the Lions backfield seemingly each and every week we've had this show since the season started. And um, Anthony Lynn, who's the offensive coordinator for the Lions, uh, said some interesting things yesterday, Farrell, including that he wished he would have gone to Jamal Williams in a few more situations during game four after he watched the game film. This is something that DeAndre Swift owners had been concerned about since the 1A, 1B comment came from Anthony Lynn in the preseason. But you look at um, the Detroit backfield, you don't expect a ton, right? Because there's a lot of negative game scripts involved with Lions running backs this year. Uh, Eight carries for 16 yards, four catches for 33 for Swift last week. Williams, seven for 25 as far as carries go. Uh, That's what he had in week two. The Vikings, who they play this week, allow just under five yards per carry. Now, I don't know about you. This is how I'm sort of attacking it. DeAndre Swift is a top 25 back for me this week. Jamal Williams is not far behind. So if I have Swift, I'm starting him. But if I have Williams, I'm going to see if I can get get him in a flex spot this week because I think it could prove worthwhile given these comments from Anthony Lynn and given what we've seen from Williams so far this season. I think Swift owners are some of the bravest drafters in fantasy football. Every time he carries the ball, I hold my breath, and I don't have him anywhere. You know, and I I look at this Minnesota team, and, yes, it's very troubling. They gave up 184 yards to the Cleveland Browns. The most damning thing that I saw was a, uh, a Kareem Hunt rush for 33 yards on a third and 20. They had the obligatory third and 20 draw play, and Hunt just ran forever and got a first down. But the Minnesota defense in week three gave up 17 points. In week four, they gave up 14 points. Detroit has problems uh, scoring the ball many times uh, in their games. Uh, So I'm not sure that either of these backs are going to cash into that end zone, which is is what I believe at this time of the year you're going to need to – uh, to win your fantasy league and win your um, in advance in the FFPC. So I, I'm not overwhelmed. You know, there, there's two big defensive tackles that have not played well for Minnesota. Both of them acquired in uh, free agency. Tomlin came over from the New York Giants, and uh, I think it was Michael Pierce. Baltimore was his home before he uh, before he headed out to Minnesota. These guys have not played well, and but they're probably going to. And Detroit's probably a place they're looking to pick it up a notch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not as high on the Detroit backfield as you are, Bucky. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, I, I think anytime you have a negative game script, you know, you know, dominant team like the Lions, I think you have to be a little skittish about it. Um, I was heavy right. on Swift at the start of the year. Well, not at the start of the year. I didn't draft him in a whole lot of redraft leagues. I do have him in a lot of dynasty leagues. And, and so I'm fine with, um, with starting him a, a against the Vikings. Um, maybe I'm wrong. You know, Farrell's been right about these things before, but it's, it's given how my teams are structured with not an abundance of running back depth, but an abundance of receiver depth. 
Um, I think Swift to me and, and Williams make, make for good starts for my teams. Hopefully that helps you out and anybody uh, who went with uh, heavy uh, receiver teams and, and not heavy running back teams this year. Uh, let's, uh, right. let's get into tonight's guests, ladies and gentlemen. We have two of them. And uh, the first one I want to bring in is a guy who has been playing fantasy football and uh, losing money to his friends for, for the better part of two decades. Uh, seven years ago, he decided that he was going to up his stakes and join the FFPC, uh, where he said he lost even more money to strangers. However, <laughs> because of the gambler's fallacy, uh, he was due. And in 2017, he uh, upped his stakes again joined the 750 Dynasty, uh, 750 Dynasty League with the FFPC. He's already got one title under his belt in his 750 Dino number 30. And uh, he also uh, is a film producer who's uh, one of his latest films called Dragged Across Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, was in theaters. You can still check it out streaming now. It is uh, Tyler Jackson, who's been on this program before. And I also want to bring in, ladies and gentlemen, Tyler's buddy, again, last two decades, uh, he has been using fantasy football as a way to overcompensate for his so-called lack of athletic skills. He was ripped from his simple life of winning home leagues and coaxed into the FFPC by Tyler Jackson, his buddy, and I uh, saw how much uh, more stress was involved in high-stakes fantasy football. So he jumped at the chance to complicate his life and put himself even further into depth. Uh, these co-workers turned into co-owners last year. Tyler and Dozier created Frank Gore's Hog Squad, and now they have a friendship so strong that even Tyler beating Dozier in their film industry fantasy Super Bowl couldn't break up the newly founded Hog Squad, even if Dozier is still a little bit bitter about it. Uh, Dozier is a writer and a co-host of the comedy film podcast Cinematic Quicksand, which is streaming on all platforms. Please welcome into the program tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Tyler, Dax, uh, Tyler Jackson and Mike Dozier. Gentlemen, welcome into the program. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so Great much. to be here again. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, Tyler, uh, it's, awesome. It, it's awesome to have you again. Um, you know, we had you on for being a dynasty champ, and now you're floating, you and, and Dozier are floating right around the top of the leaderboard for $500,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship. What's been the conversations uh, that you've had with Dozier, given how, how high <laughs> you are for a half million bucks right now, man? Yeah, if only you could see our uh, texts back and forth. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a pinch-me moment, you know, playing in the FFPC for so, so many years and never even, you know, dreaming about being at the top of the leaderboard at, at any week. So the fact that we're a quarter of the way – uh, through the season and and find ourselves in fourth place is a uh, dream come true. I still think it's all going to fall apart, but uh, for now I'm uh, riding the wave. <laughs> Guys, Ride I think it's so very indeed. cool. I, I think it's so very cool that you guys talk about it and, and spend a lot of time going back and forth. Here in Kentucky, I see the, you know, the leaderboard, and I'll send a guy a text, and I'll say congratulations, and all I get back is don't jinx me. Don't jinx me. You know, don't say anything about it. So you guys, you guys are on your way, and congratulations to you. Thank you. Yes. Well, thanks. So, We've already mentally spent most of the money, so uh, getting to the 500 <laughs> yeah. grand will just be a break even for us. Exactly. Oh, I'm going to have to win next it. year, actually, because I've, I've spent so much money in my head. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys are in the film business, I can tell. Obviously. <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, you guys, I, I'm kind of curious. So, so Tyler, it, it, we talked a little bit about this, but I want you to remind the listeners, I'm going to let you go first here, how you sort of got into film production and um, the irons that you have in the fire currently. And then um, Dozier, too. I want, to, I want to hear more about the podcast, obviously, and I want to hear more about, about your experiences as a film producer and a, a person who works on, on, some, uh, on, on films right now. Yeah, Doge and I met uh, about 10 years ago and just started uh, working together, producing some films. Uh, We made a few films uh, that are available for streaming, like Vincent and Roxy and uh, Dragged Across Across Concrete, which we talked about last time, still out there to uh, rent or stream. And, uh, you know, I'm just working on – it takes a long time to uh, get films made, so we're just kind of working on – on getting some new stuff out there now that uh, the pandemic is uh, winding down, hopefully. Yeah, I um, I got into filmmaking um, about 20 years ago when I met my um, co-host of my podcast, uh, Gary Schultz, and we started making movies together and eventually moved out to California, and that's where I met Tyler, and we all worked together and creating some projects we're really excited about. Um, hopefully we have some cool projects coming out soon. And in the meantime, I'm doing this film podcast with my co-writer, Gary, and it's a lot of fun. It's cool to just talk about movies and the, the movies that we think everybody else should be the movies that we love and everybody else should love. So it's a good time. It's a good way to like keep sharp on film while we're not making films. Let's talk about film. Beautiful. Well, the, the business that you guys are in, you always appreciate a good story. So I'll get into some fantasy football, but first, I'll have to give you a good story. Uh, and I, I looked over your team, and I, there's one player that was very proud to see that, that you guys drafted. And after the Thursday night game, we, we were all in Las Vegas, and I drafted uh, live on Friday. And um, Tampa and Dallas went at it on Thursday night, and no one has run the ball. Dallas and, and uh, against uh, Tampa, and I did not expect the Thursday night game to be any differently. And I sit down at my number two spot and dutifully drafted Dalvin Cook uh, like you're supposed to do, and then began the long wait to see what wide receiver I was going to get. And, but at the 12 and 13 turn, I noticed that on the, the board, still available, Ezekiel Elliott. And so I'm sitting there thinking, you know, there's no way that that I need to even dream about this player getting back to me. That would be the 21st player picked. Um, and and but I look down the the line and I, I look who's drafting against me. And I run into one of Balky and my favorite guys, the Azell brothers. Balky, how many Azell brothers are there? To my knowledge, there is at least two, but the way that they draft for fantasy, they're clearly drawing on a hive mind of at least four dozen. Well, you see, if, if, if there's two, if there's only two, I think there's four, then they're bringing two guys that look like them. But they're always wearing Dallas Cowboy, you know, paraphernalia. I mean, I, th- I truly think these guys have Tom Landry tattooed on them somewhere. You know, and I think mean, they're just diehard Dallas guys. And even they passed on Ezekiel Elliott. And the draft continues. My buddy Jay Reed, I said, surely he's going to pick Ezekiel Elliott, but he goes by plan, and and that wasn't part of his plan, so he didn't do it. And lo and behold, it gets to me, I'm at the 21st spot, 
and I draft Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm so fired up about my team. And, guys, that gift that was given to me by all those drafters, I have managed that team. You can hold your applause because I have managed that team to 12th place in my league. I'm in 12th <laughs> place in my league. But, I, you know, I do have, I do have high hopes. But while everyone was had, had turned this player proverbially out to pasture, I was impressed that you guys paid the most that any drafters paid for him, drafting him at the fifth spot. I liked him all year. I thought he would have a bounce back year. Balky and I talked about it on the show. Finally, my question. What led you guys to buck the trend? And congratulations on enjoying the early season benefits. I think it's only going to get better for Ezekiel Elliott. What do you think and what led you guys to make that decision as your number five player? Or well, your first Farrell, player, the number five player? I, I, yeah, I wanted nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott. Josh uh, <laughs> and I, after that first Thursday game, we almost got a team divorce over it. I was like, you know, this team would be great if we had Devontae Adams like I wanted. But, you know, uh-huh. part of a good part of a good. Uh, uh, team and a good uh, friendship is uh, listening to your your co-manager and I said okay Doge you can have Ezekiel Elliott but I don't want to hear about drafting another running back for 10 more rounds and uh, he's like (laughs) he somehow convinced me of that and then on the way back we got uh, Najee Harris and uh, he he, then that was for sure like I never want to hear about another running back so so I have to give all credit to uh, Dozier for getting, you know, two high-volume uh, running backs who are uh, working out well for us so far. Good for you guys. Talking yeah, with uh, – I mean, we're talking with go, – go ahead. Yeah, no, um, as I was going to say, Tyler really does not want to draft running backs ever. And for us just to be able to – seal up the two two guys and all that's all I needed I just didn't want to be in the fifth or sixth round looking at like that dead zone of running backs and once those two fell and there then I was like all right Tyler it's all you we can draft all the wide receivers you want so and 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 it's all about give and take and and you guys clearly have managed yourself nearly to the top of the heap of 13,000 plus teams based on that give and take based on this partnership so congratulations uh to you so Mike let me ask you this um the, you kind of alluded to this as well. How much of the plan going into the draft was to get two high-volume rushers? You get Ezekiel Elliott, you get Najee Harris as well, and then really pound the receivers in the next few rounds after that. I mean, did you kind of have it in your mind like, okay, Tyler's going to want a bunch of receivers after this. We just need to get the running backs early. How, how did that, uh, you know, that conversation sort of, you know, the pre-draft conversation, I should say, um, how did that work itself out when you and Tyler were sort of attacking this once you knew your draft slot? Yeah, well, I definitely was just like, I, I really want Zeke. We were both kind of like wishy on uh, Derrick Henry, which is, um, you know, I can't believe that is true, but that's what we thought at first. But we're like, if Zeke is there, that's great. And I didn't think Najee would fall to us. And a lot of it, we were really like kind of patient with our draft board. We're just like, uh, every every time our pick came up, we're like, all right, it's between these two guys and then, you know, Jonathan Taylor was taken right before us and Calvin Ridley, the pick before. So a lot of our decisions were made for us. And uh, I knew that Tyler was going to be able to pass up Najee. And we were really going for volume with our running backs. We're just like, we know that no one's taking Najee's carries. 
and Zeke is definitely due for a bounce back. And luckily, we were right on those and just let the rest of the cards fall to us in a, in a really positive way. So we never felt that we had to reach for our wide receivers, and we were really all excited for everyone that fell in our lap. So we just took advantage of that. That's beautiful. You know, you did one thing with this team that I have enjoyed in football guys this year, and I've intentionally uh, gone into leagues that said, I'm not going to chase it, but if it, as you say, falls into your lap, I'm sure not going to fight it. And it appears that that's what you've done with Tampa Bay Bucks, Brady and Antonio Brown, and then you followed up in, this, in our tight end premium league, and I couldn't believe he was available in, in the double-digit rounds. I just thought this was a great gift. Rob Gronkowski, was this was this a plan, or like you say, do you fight it? Do you believe in the concept of the stack? How'd this lineup come together? Yeah, well, the um, I was super bullish on uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, so so much so that the one player we kind of reached for was Tom Brady, um, and and we in fact let the he was in our queue, and I was just like. Uh, trying to, to motivate those to pick Tom Brady over even uh, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson and all the other, I think those were the top, top uh, run, uh, quarterbacks who were still there. But I just yeah. felt like Tom Brady, um, we saw like, you know, him win a Super Bowl last year, obviously, uh, but didn't quite have the offense figured out maybe until even halfway through the season. So I felt like a full season of, Tom Brady in this offense uh, with, you know, A.B. and and Gronk, as you say, uh, they all have another year of experience in the offense and, and everything, um, I felt like everything could fall in place for them to have a monster fantasy season. And then it was, the, the last hurdle was just convincing Doge, who's a diehard New England Patriots fan, to to accept that, uh, all of his former loves on, from the Patriots are going to be even better on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that was the uh, that was a real uh, tough tough one. But uh, he eventually came around as we started draft. Yeah, Tyler yeah, was, uh, was Mike Dozier. Go ahead. It was nice little um, you know dagger in the side to just make me have to root for uh, Brady and Gronk again. Which you know what, I, I'm fine with that. Um, and <laughs> let's go, guys. They, they've won championships before. Maybe they can win one more for us. So uh, that's what our attitude is. When, um, when we started the show today, well, not right when we started, but at the t- towards the top of the show, we talked a little bit about Kadarius Toney and what he could do without Sterling Shepard and what, what, what he could do without Darius Slayton in the Giants lineup uh, this week. So you guys, Tyler, add Tony and Dan Arnold uh, off the uh, waiver wire this past Wednesday. Just kind of curious what your expectations, maybe in, in, the, in the near future, you know, week six or, or, or week five, beg your pardon, and um, what, what you have, what expectations you have for those guys. And then the rest of the season, how good is Dan Arnold? How good is Kadarius Tony going to be when we look back at the 2021 season? Where, what are we saying about these guys? Uh, go for it, Doge. Doge is the one oh, who yeah. is uh, all about these two players. Yeah, you know, I was really excited about um, Dan Arnold and just really how the Jags were really using the tight end. I mean, we even bought, um, picked up their, their previous guy who got injured, and once they traded for Dan Arnold, rookie 
quarterbacks and their tight ends. We just thought that that was going to be a pretty good uh, steal for us. And we're lucky we're in a position where we don't need these players to start this week or, you know, even next week. So if we can sit on these guys and maybe Dan Arnold does get, you know, eight targets a, a week and that, that'd be great. It's an awesome bye week fill for us. And Tony, you know, we don't know what the ceiling is for him. And there was another Giants uh, rookie wide receiver that came out um, a decade ago and Odell won a lot of leagues. So if we can get lucky with that, um, Tony missed a lot of training camp like Odell as well. So, hey, if that's what if it costs 50 bucks a fab to uh, sit on this player and maybe he has an incredible ceiling that, you know, we have the luxury of waiting for. Um, it was it was in a position where our roster allowed us to kind of take these risks and look for long term um, payouts, you know. Mm-hmm. Roster does allow for risk right now, but that that's soon to be over because, boy, man, it's it's uh, with with the bye weeks uh, coming up and with with the injuries and and all of the balancing act that we must do. I, I sometimes look at players that I've been very patient with, and, and and Eric and I talked about patience last week as a key to being victory victorious in, in fantasy football. And I also, the, my patience always goes a little further with players that I absolutely love. And I see you guys rostered one of those guys, J.D. McKissick. Balky and I talked about him on the show. We told players last year to put him in the lineup. He delivered in certain games. Uh, we've already seen him do well this year. Naturally, the targets are not the same because of the change in the quarterback, the beginning of the year change and the end of the season change. But I want to know what you guys think of McKissick. Is he the kind of player that you would fight to keep hold of? Or would he be kind of the kind of way that I handle my roster in early on trying to upgrade it and, and Tony being a casualty? How deep are you guys in on the possibilities that McKissick can deliver for you? Uh, during bye weeks and during the double-digit weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge J.D. McKissick fan. I, I liked him even back when he was on the Seahawks, when Russell Wilson was saying he's a special dude. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you had to have a lot of patience with McKissick this past week, 59 minutes and 30 seconds of patience in that game. But then when he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he can just make magical plays. Like that touchdown is just the touchdown of the week. And um, I think that with the news coming out today that Antonio Gibson's playing with a stress fracture uh, mm-hmm. and trying to trying to work through that, that J.D. McKissick's only going to, you know, see, see even more uh, touches. Already he's averaging somewhere in the 50% of snaps neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, when you have Gibson uh, potentially uh, injured with a kind of a long-term injury here and – uh, McKissick already hovering in the 50% of snaps. It's everything kind of working out for him to have some more explosive plays. And again, the the rookie uh, the rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends and their checkdowns. And uh, JD McKissick can can add a lot of value with the the, the checkdowns there. So I would, I definitely uh, plan on keeping him on our roster uh, the entire season. Beautiful. Um. Okay, so we're talking with uh, Tyler Jackson, Mike Dozier, the fourth-place team in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship this year, uh, heading into Week 5. Mike, um, this is interesting because um, 
James White is out for the season. And Ramondre Stevenson has sort of been um, forgotten about, I guess, uh, for all intents and purposes by the coaching staff uh, for what we care about for fantasy. And J.J. Taylor fumbled. So I'm looking at what used to be a landmine, Patriots running backs, now seems to be like this is all coming up Damian Harris right now. Mike, are you guys fairly bullish? Or how bullish are you on Damian Harris for the remainder of the season with all these things befalling the rest of the backfield? Yeah, you know, uh, beginning of the season, I was really avoiding the Patriots' backfield because there was just there were so many good running backs. But then, you know, a fumble here and a fumble there, and then you're in Belichick's doghouse, and now it's just really Damian Harris is the last man standing. Um, I did like that he got two targets against the Bucks. I still think that Bolden is going to get a lot more of those uh, targets. And uh, Harris did have a couple bad matchups back to back with the Saints and the Bucks, but um, but I think that they're the Pats are going to get better overall in offense, you know, and they'll get Trent Brown back pretty soon. They have four O linemen that will be missing this game coming up, which is very scary. But I guess if you have to pick a week to not have four linemen um, going against the Texans is what you want to do, you know. So I think he's going to be. Uh, a solid two uh, for the rest of the year, but um, but yeah, I was I was not high on him, and then I got a little high, and now I just think that the the Pats defense will or offense will kind of simmer out and balance out, and he'll be able to get you some good weeks. Yeah, I think that too. Uh, but you know, be be a little bit leery of those Houston Texans fellows. They they play they play a hard nosed strong football. That's all I can tell you. Um, we've got a player right up the road from me here in Cincinnati that's the big, big question mark uh, this week. And we already know a player from the University of Louisville, one of Balky's favorite guys, uh, Jair Alexander, uh, will, will likely not play or will not play is out this weekend. And, you know, when Higgins went down, that, that was a punch to my gut because I had him in a lot of teams. And I think he's a special player. This goes back kind of to what Balky and I were talking about very early on, uh, with Dalvin Cook, this is the kind of player that's very, very difficult. Uh, Doge, maybe you take this one. Uh, T. Higgins, if he's up, is he in your lineup? Oh, absolutely. I think T. Higgins is the alpha there, and I think he's just going to remind everybody of that. And you know, Chase has had a good couple games, and Tyler Boyd is uh, a good player, but Higgins is that offense there. And I mean, he had 10 targets week two. He is a solid 15 point floor player. Like he's coming back from a Mm -hmm. shoulder injury as well, you know, and it's, I think that there's maybe a little bit of a lower risk than, you know, if it's a hamstring or ankle um, shoulder, give him a shot, throw him out there and, and let him get, you know, eight, four 70 and a TD for you. I think that's like totally doable. This is going to be high scoring game uh, back and forth points or, the Bengals are going to be, you know, getting some junk points. Either way, Higgins is, is starting with no worries for me, at least. Talking with uh, Tyler Jackson and Mike Dozier here, the fourth-place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. Good news on T. Higgins, obviously, for you guys there, and you're making me feel better about my T. Higgins teams as well. So thank you for that advice. Let's see if we can help out some other fantasy owners here this week that emailed in the show. Um, I'm going to throw this uh, to Tyler first. Uh, Tyler, go ahead and take this uh, question from Jake in Brooklyn. Uh, He writes, hey, guys, um, how excited are you for Tyler Higby 
for the remainder of the season. Thanks, fellas. That is Jake in Brooklyn. Jake, thanks for listening. Thanks for emailing. Uh, Higby caught a touchdown last night, and this is a guy that has been pretty polarizing in the fantasy industry in the last couple of years. Tyler, how do you and Mike fall in on, on Higby? We both loved him independently, and uh, we're fighting for him in our in our auction draft uh, film industry league. So, you know, uh, I'm, I've, I'm just a fan of the talent and obviously with Everett gone and Stafford loves making his tight ends fantasy relevant. So yeah, I've, you know, he's obviously hasn't exploded as much as uh, we were hoping he would, but um, he's just a solid uh, middle, middle tier tight end player with some weeks that he's going to be at the top of the top of the heap. So, you know, if you have Tyler Higby, you probably don't have a better option. So you got to just start him and hope he scores a touchdown for you. Yeah, that's just so funny considering Tyler traded uh, Tyler Higby yesterday for Darren Waller, and I was very upset about that because that was an awesome trade that Tyler pulled off. Hey, so, say the whole um, trade. Say the whole trade. It was Higby <laughs> and uh, Damian Williams for – for Darren Waller, okay, yeah. so you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but but I still think I still think Higby is a good player. I, I don't oh, think I ripped that in. Guys, I have on. an important question. Are there any openings in this film industry league? Because I've been to movies. <laughs> yeah, it is very soft. Go, it is very soft. Well, let me get there, you know, if you have an available spot, I'll, I'll come on out. For, for sure, we we take turns like feeding off the the lower uh, the lower team. So Tyler got that one. Uh, I got DJ Moore a couple weeks ago too. So we go back and forth. Uh, I traded. Chase Edmonds and um, well, Justin Fields for DJ Moore. So, so we're both uh, guilty of maybe um, taking advantage of some other owners. So you got to do what you got to do, right? That's uh, good advice. You got to do what you got to do for sure. Um, and let's go to one more email here before Farrell gets into the last, well, second to last question, because I got one more question after Farrell tonight. Um, this is uh, an L.A. question, uh, L.A. Chargers specifically. Paul in Austin, Texas, he writes, What's up, gentlemen? How close to matchup proof is Justin Herbert for y'all right now? That is Paul in Austin, Texas. Mike, I'm going to throw this one to you. Justin Herbert looks awesome so far. Is he close to matchup proof? Is he matchup proof? How, how would you guys treat Justin Herbert you had him on one of your teams this year? Oh yeah, I think if I had Justin Herbert on my team, I would have one running or one quarterback on my team, and that's Justin Herbert. <laughs> I think that's like, uh, like this, there's no way I would have a backup uh, QB. I think that guy's a beast, and he's just going to get better and better. And now, like Mike Williams, and with Eckler playing healthy and a full year, like I can't believe I was that gun shy about. Um, him this this off season like I don't have as many stocks as I as I wish I did but the guy is matchup proof like throw him in and, and not even worry about it use your roster spot for for another uh, running back or wide receiver like that's all you need hey how funny is it to see Dolphins fans so angry about how 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 great Justin Herbert is it always makes me laugh watching them uh, <laughs> watching them pound pound the wall about how great uh, six six gun slinging quarterback that they could have had instead of Tua. Yeah, well, that's yeah, going to go on draft. for the next fifteen years. So you're, you're going to enjoy will. that for a long time. Yeah, you know, and like you time. think you think about that draft too. Like 
you know, before it happened, there was a lot of people saying Tunga Vailoa was going to be the first overall pick, and it wasn't even a question. And then he slipped, and the Dolphins get a bargain on Tunga Vailoa. And, and the, the better bargain uh, would have certainly been Justin Herbert, at least that's the way it seems right now, um, for, uh, for the Dolphins and, and for the Chargers. Uh, Farrell, one last question here for, for Tyler and Mike. Well, one last question from you. I have one more thing to ask him after that. Okay. Well, it, yeah, it's a two-part question, and then i got two guys. So let's see. Let's work up, uh, as you would say, a script in your industry. Tyler, you'll go first, <laughs> and then Dozier, you, you'll, you'll bring us home. And what I want to know, and, and I have a playing partner that, that I absolutely love playing with, and, and we, we, he, he proposed to me today that we set DeAndre Hopkins, and I immediately said, no thanks, don't want to do that. But is there – this week, is there a top first, second, early third round draft pick that you just don't like the matchup, you don't like the situation, and you would in fact set him? And then we might have teased this already, so we might have to come with a with a, a different player uh, that we've already talked about. But can you give us a sleeper, someone that no one is talking about? You know, we teased it with McKissick. Is there someone else that you guys? Maybe considering getting the lineup that no one else will have, and I'll give your club the uh, the difference moving forward. Well, Farrell, uh, it's not going to be good news for you, but I'm I'm going to sit the hurt running backs this week. So Dalvin Cook, I know it sucks to do it, but uh, I'm I'm going to sit him down and uh, hope I have a better better choice. Don't like anything about what's happening with Dalvin Cook. Uh, this week, unfortunately. Um, and the same goes for Antonio Gibson. I know that both of these dudes feel like if they're out there, they mm-hmm. got to be playing. But um, everything about it says, like, hey, maybe they're not going to be uh, getting the volume necessary to to really score you a lot of points this week. As far as the um, the sleeper goes, I have a good one. People are starting to talk about him but put some respect on Dawson Knox's name. He is a yeah. <laughs> tight end, tight end who all he's doing right now is scoring touchdowns for you. And uh, I love the matchup this week against the Chiefs. And Doge and I love losing money on any time TD same game parlay. The only oh, yeah. one we've ever hit <laughs> in our life is the Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo Bills playoff game. We had Dawson Knox. McCall Hardman, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and Travis Kelsey. We are going to hit that exact same parlay again this week. And that's just a gift <laughs> that's right. to all of the high stakes fantasy football listeners. Put those four dudes in a, in a same game parlay and uh, write us an email afterwards thanking us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's It's blessings that, uh, that you guys, you know, when, when the schedule was released, and you guys were pouring over it. You see this Kansas City Bills game on Sunday night. You're like, you knew exactly what you were doing, right? It was, it was, you know, you have to talk about it. You knew you were placing the same parlay again, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. We actually lost a $16,000 same game parlay. The only leg, it was this crazy parlay I cooked up all, all off season for the first Thursday night football game. And the only leg that didn't hit was uh, Zeke anytime TD. And if you remember that sequence, he was, you know, stuffed at the one twice. And uh, 
yeah, that also almost contributed to Doge and I having a fantasy divorce. But yeah, that was uh, it's okay. We'll, we'll we'll get it this week. Yeah, and and just like really as high as we are in the FFPC, we are that low in our parlays. So everything balances out. You know, you, I guess can't win them all. So, um, but um, but this week, I you know I do echo what. Uh, Tyler said Dalvin Cook and Antonio Gibson. I really I don't I don't want to start them if I have to. I think they're too risky. But um, I don't know if you got the stones to bench Tyreek Hill against the Bills, but um, they really mm. take him out. Um, he's got two games against them: ten catches, sixty-one yards. The Bills played too deep against him, and they just let Clyde beat them. And um, I think they're going to do the same thing. Um, this Sunday, you're not going to let a dude who just went nuclear last week um, go again. So if you got the stones to do it, um, I, I think that Tyreek will definitely disappoint some uh, owners this week. And um, as the sleepers, um, I'm super high on uh, LaVisca Chenault. I, I I think the Titans are terrible on defense. And without Shark there, I think that this this guy's ready to, you know, be a grown man and uh, ball out. I think that he's going to have a huge game. And uh, also, I'm a little uh, I'm a little excited about Michael Carter against Atlanta. I think this is going to be his like, oh. true big come-out game. I, I can see the uh, the Jets jumping on Atlanta and, and really controlling uh, the ball there and uh, giving him some carries. So, those are my two. You know, and, and I'll tell you this, that reminds me, uh, everybody make sure you get your lineup set for that Michael Carter breakout game, which kicks off 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Um, I, I host a local fantasy show here in Northeast Wisconsin, and my co-host made the, the special announcement, we all know what we do on the weekends, right? Set your lineups on Saturday <laughs> afternoon or even Saturday night to make sure that you're not, you don't get that uh-oh surprise Sunday morning, especially with everything that's going on with the Falcons pass catchers right now. Uh, good advice there. Um, okay, so the last thing I want to ask you guys, and Tyler, I'm going to let you go first. We talked about um, the, the, the Mel Gibson um, Drag Across Concrete movie with, with Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Carpenter in that as well, always one of my favorites. We talked about how you produced that one. Um, what else do you have? What, what do you have uh, you know, that you're working on right now? What do you have that's, that's coming down the pipe? I uh, I have a, actually a TV series coming out um, called Through about a band of uh, hikers. It's a do- it's a documentary series about a band of hikers who set out to hike 1,200 miles across the uh, the wildest uh, the wildest trail in um, in America, hiking from Glacier National Park all the way to the ocean, and um, that should be coming out in a few months. So. Uh, Take a look out for that one. That's awesome. Fantastic stuff. And, and Mike, we know you've worked, you and Tyler have collaborated before as, as you guys are co-workers. So tell us a, a little bit about uh, what you have coming up. And also tell us a little bit more about this podcast that you're producing right now, which is basically streaming anywhere you can get your podcast called Cinematic Quicksand. Yeah, Cinematic Quicksand is, is something, you know, like uh, many people during the – quarantine decided to pick up podcasting and I've known my buddy Gary for 20 years and we love watching all types of weird movies and we have a pretty good rapport together so we wanted to do something that we can highlight you know certain kind of fun movies that we like we want to do our guilty pleasures or you know uh, our dirty dozen which is our 12 movies that we're 
created us that we feel, you know, and uh, last week um, we, what did we just do? Um, drawing a blank here. Um, oh, we did Carpenter. Well, tell them about uh, the football Ravens. Yeah, yeah, and we did uh, the four quarters, so we did four different football movies. So we broke down the train wreck that is any given Sunday. Uh, so much <laughs> slow motion in that movie. Um, but, man, is it so so over the top and so amazing. And then the um, the classic college football movie, The Program, which is oh, just yes. an utter mess. Latimer, place just... at the table. Place at the table. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like that guy's not on uh, steroids. Okay, cool, guys. You know, just enabling <laughs> bad behavior from college athletes. I just love uh, those movies. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's Halloween season. It's spooky season. This is like, I like uh, horror films and my writing partner and I, we've written a few horror comedies. Um, one is Devil in My Ride. That was the, the one that kind of got us started in filmmaking. And that's on Amazon. It's a very uh, low budget film, but it was made out of love and it got us to LA. And next we wrote this uh, killer teddy bear movie that is in pre-production right now. Very excited about that. And uh, Tyler's helping with that. We're really um, excited about doing a crazy killer teddy bear movie, comedy and horror and all that stuff. So we love um, spooking people out and then making them laugh as well. So um, having fun creating art and stories like that. Yeah, that's awesome, guys. Especially when you consider, um, you know, the time of year we're at. You know, this is this is what it's all about. So this is this is good stuff. Uh, teddy bears, uh, beg your pardon. Teddy bears are for lovers, and your co-host yes. is directing this, right, Doge? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's directing it. We wrote it together uh, about a guy who gives a teddy bear to a girl when he breaks up with her, and it kind of unlocks this killer teddy bear curse. And the only way to break it is is mending all the hearts that he's broken in college. So he has to go around apologizing to all his college girlfriends while these bears are wreaking havoc. So it's crazy over the top, but <laughs> it has a lot of heart too. So uh, we're really excited about that. And hopefully we can get going on that and um, blow some minds. Well, I, I'm excited for you to blow some minds. And hopefully when you win this $500,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship, you can blow some of that cash on producing some uh, more amazing films, more amazing TV shows, everything that, uh, that we want to get into. If you want to follow Tyler on Twitter, he is at Dropout Films. If you want to follow Mike on Twitter, you can follow him at Dozier, Dozier, Doze. And, of course, Cinematic Quicksand is on Twitter at Cinematic Quicksand. Guys, thanks so much for making some time for us tonight. Talk a little fantasy football with us. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. I, I really hope you guys uh, are the lucky winners and uh, the ball bounces your way in the championship round. Thanks so much uh, for spending your Friday night with us. Guys, thanks for having us. Thank Fair you. Enough, yes, folks. hopefully we can talk again uh, at the end of the year. So thanks, That's guys. the plan. That'll be the plan. We'll call that plan A. We'll call that plan A. We'll talk a little bit about teddy bears are for lovers and the $500,000 grand prize. And that'll be a show. That's a show. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Tyler Jackson and Mike Dozier, ladies and gentlemen, joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week. Fourth place in the Football Guys Players Championship as we head into week five. Farrell, let's go through this rapid fire all start sick questions in fantasy feedback tonight. And they kick off with Jeff. In New River, Arizona, should I play Joe Burrow against the suddenly vulnerable Packers secondary 
or roll the dice on a big day from Trey Lance. We found out today from Kyle Shanahan that Trey Lance will indeed be starting for the Niners. Farrell, is that enough for you to play Lance over Burrow, or are you still rolling with the uh, sophomore out of LSU? Absolutely not. Uh, we're we're going to stick with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow came alive in one half first of the Jags, Bonky. He's got nine touchdown passes on the year, through for almost 350 against the Jags. Uh, he started now with, with the season last year that he had. This season, we're already pushing past some of the numbers that he had in his injury-shortened season last year. Trey Lance started the game last year. It was against Central Arkansas. Jeff, you put Burrow in your lineup. I can't, you know, my co-host, uh, Leo Kuyper Jr., on the Appleton Trophy Fantasy Football Show here in uh, on the score, 95-3, 99-1, in northeast Wisconsin, Appleton Oshkosh, he has been saying Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow all week. He is a big fan of Joe Burrow against the Jair Alexander list, secondary for the Packers, which you alluded to earlier, Farrell, and I, I kind of starting to agree with them. You get Higgins, you get Chase, you get Boyd, Yuzuma, um, maybe even Mixon now at this point. We'll see what happens there. Uh, they are going to be loaded. I think you play Burrow over Lance. Larry in Manitou Springs, Colorado. I think I'm ready to start giving Miles Sanders the Allen Robinson bench until you show me something treatment. Am mm. I right to play Javante Williams over him this week? So you look at this, Farrell, with, um, with Javante Williams and Miles Sanders. Javante Williams is going to be at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Miles Sanders this week is going to be taking on the Panthers in Carolina. For me, listen, I, I like Javante Williams. His fumbling has me a little bit nervous, and I've been a big Melvin Gordon guy this year. That's not changing. So for me, I'm still, even this, this, despite the fact that it's almost going to a timeshare in Philly, I'm still rolling with Sanders over Javante Williams, who is in a timeshare for sure in Denver. And I think you're making a serious mistake there, Balky. The train of Javante Williams is picking up speed, and Balky, you need to be on it and safely in your seat. You know, Williams not only is beginning to carry more every game, but he's catching the ball a little better. Three catches in the last two games. He's running angry. Pittsburgh is 11th in the league against the rush, but I think that might have something a little bit more to do with game script. Uh, Miles Sanders has nine rushes over the last two games. And, and you know, uh, while, while we got one guy here gaining uh, speed on the tracks, we, we have Miles Sanders and a lot of this offense just completely going off the tracks. Plus, you've got Gainwell knocking on his door. Uh, I, I think you're better off to go with Javante Williams with a quarterback uh, that's going to turn and hand the ball to both those running backs in Denver. I don't know what the quarterback's doing in Philadelphia, and most likely he's running around. He's great for fantasy, not so great for football, which means some of the players on his teams, especially the running backs, are not in the best position. And, and while I will still say that I'm going to play Sanders over Williams, to Farrell's point, the, if you look at the Eagles-Panthers game, Eagles are on the road, strike one for the running game. They are in a game that, that is uh, currently at 45 points, strike two for the running game, and they're three-point dogs, so strike three for the running game. So if you're looking for reasons to bench Miles Sanders, there's plenty with just by looking at where the game is, what the game script is, and what the total and the, and the point spread is. And then you look at the Broncos-Steelers game, yeah, the total is only at 40 there right now, but to me that could be a knockdown, dragout game. How do you knock down and drag out with a strong running game and a defense, with which the Broncos obviously have? So there's reason to start Javante Williams there as well, as Farrell just told you. Moving on to the next email. What's up, my Friday night heroes? How confident are you in T. Higgins 
after he missed his last game with that shoulder injury. If I bench him, I need to start Kenny Galladay. TIA, that's Walt in Carson City, Nevada. Thank you for the email, Walt. We certainly appreciate it. All right, so Farrell, if it comes down to Higgins or Galladay, I'm going to go with my man Higgins, even though he did miss the last game. He got the extra mini buy to heal up. Never been a big Galladay guy, and we already talked about the Packers secondary, so I'm going to play Higgins over Galladay. I'm playing Higgins, too. I am a big Galladay fan. If our, uh, if the question comes, we have a man with an embarrassment of riches in both these receivers, but uh, Higgins is your play here. Final email we have for this evening. It is Rich in New Haven, Connecticut. Hiya, Balky and Farrell. Should I keep riding the hot hand with Jared Cook at tight end this week, or do I go back to the guy I thought would be an every-week starter for me when I drafted him in Dallas Goddard. That is Rich in New Haven, Connecticut. Rich, thank you so much for the email. So the uh, we, we already talked about it. Dallas Goddard is going to be at Carolina this week in a you know a semi-tough matchup. Jared Cook um, is going to be at home against uh, the Browns defense, which should have Miles Garrett. That's what it sounds like. I, I know he didn't practice a couple of times this week, but it sounds like he's going to play. So not the greatest matchup for either one of these. Um, I think I'm going to roll with Goddard over Cook, but I could be persuaded if you feel differently. Uh, I don't. You know, Cook is in your best football situation, but Goddard is in your best fantasy situation. Cook is a technically superior receiver. He's going to get open, but so are those other elite players at all the other positions. That's one of the things that makes Herbert so good is there's elite players off the field uh, at every position on the field, and when they bring a new person on, he seems like he's an excellent player as well. You take a situation with Goddard, and I go back to 2017 when he was at South Dakota State. Balky, he had a quarterback named Karen Christian who played the same way the same way that Jalen Hurts is playing right now. He ran around, extended the plays, had some success throwing the ball downfield, and he would throw to his tight end, who would keep the play active, get open, and run with the ball in an angry way after catching it. That's the same thing Dallas Goddard has to do to make this Philadelphia Eagle team any near, in any way competitive against Carolina and everybody else they're going to face this year. I like Goddard now more than I did when the season started. Yeah, and I think you make a pretty strong case for him there as well. And, and it's sort of it's only amplified my belief that you got to play Goddard over Cook this week for sure. Um, and uh, only amplifies my belief in that I have the uh, very fortunate situation of hosting a high stakes fantasy football podcast with one of the most knowledgeable minds out there. And that is the KFFSC commissioner, Farrell Elliott. You follow him on Twitter at J Farrell Elliott, follow the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC. And if you want to learn more about it, KFFSC.com compete against me and uh, other uh, high stakes players as well. It is such a fun uh, time. And I look forward to doing that the remainder of the season. It's been great so far, Farrell, and it's been great hosting this show with you so far this season, man. Good luck in your leagues this weekend, and we'll do this again next Friday, dude. Thank you, Balky. See you then.
Beryl Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, this completes tonight's broadcast. I want to thank Tyler Jackson, Mike Dozier, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. want to give a few birthday shout-outs to some former guests and some FFPC players tonight. Jamie Joseph, who has been on this program, as well as the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown, which you can check out the latest episode, roadofhis.com slash podcast, featuring the Football Guys Players Championship overall leader, Jay Flake, Got into a lot of good stuff on that program, including stuff on Hunter Renfro, Mike Williams, and more, rotoviz.com slash podcast, or anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, Craig Campbell, who has been a former guest on the show, also a very talented and a legendary Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship player. And Nick Bacay is also celebrating a birthday today. Nick, who has been a long, longtime FFPC player, um, he is uh, he's a longtime actor, comedian, You've seen him in King of Queens. You've seen him on Sabrina and the Teenage Witch and much, much more. He is celebrating a birthday today as well. So shout out to each and every one of them. Uh, and hopefully the ball bounces their way and they get a nice little birthday weekend win in the FFPC. We'll be back next Friday at 10, 9 Central once again. We'll get another great high-stakes guest uh, that is uh, dominating the competition in 2021. They're going to tell you how they did it. They're going to tell you what they're going to be doing with their teams going forward. And hopefully you glean some knowledge out of that as well. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Good luck in week five. Your weekend officially starts right now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. One other thing I, I should mention, I should have made a bigger deal out of this. I know with the Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage news, it's, it's certainly not great if you have any Falcons pass catchers. Remember that they are not, if you did make any bids um, for, for Sunday morning for the FFPC waiver wire that, that goes through at 10 a.m., uh, remember Falcons and Jets are not eligible for that. So if you do have a plug, uh, a hold the plug in your lineup, and they include Falcons and Jets, you will not be able to use Falcons and Jets off the waiver wire in that lineup take care of that right now make sure you're covered right now and make sure if you do need to plug those holes you are going with different teams 9 30 a.m is when that game kicks off make sure your lineups are in well before then as we kick off 2021 nfl in london thank you so much for listening everybody and uh, we'll talk to you next week hopefully the ball bounces your way <laughs>